Continuing the topic of being having a vested interest in a testimony. I thought yesterday was the last chapter on the topic. I was wrong. This is the last chapter on the topic. Ruvain Ruvain is a highway robber and he robs a field or he robs a garment, an object, a movable, movable object or kick him out. You know, you can't really take it right. You can't rob a field where you can hold up and walk away from your shoulder. But the idea is you take the person, you, 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 uh, you know, threaten him. and you, Yeah, exactly. You take possession of it. So Reuben stole from Shimon. Now comes along Yehuda, and he takes Reuben, the, the thief, to Bezdin. And he says, This field or talus, this is mine. I have a proof. It belongs to my great-grandfather. I'm the heir, etc., etc. All right, so now Reuben, the bandit, and Yehuda, the new kid on the block, are fighting over the field. Ain't Shimon, Shimon, the victim who was burglarized, Shimon cannot testify on behalf of the robber. Let's say, for example, he wants to testify that his witnesses are disqualified. Uh, he wants to testify on behalf of the robber that this guy Yehuda is coming along and saying it belonged to his grandfather and he has witnesses those witnesses are not kosher. He can't do that. And to say this Tal is not Yehuda. So this guy Shimon wants to come along he wants to testify on behalf of the person who stole from him. The guy who victimized me I want to testify and say he's the right owner. Why? Shimon wants the field or the garment to remain in the possession of the robber. Who stole from him? So it should be easier for him to sue him in turn and take it back from him. It's entirely possible. Whatever proof Shimon has Shimon the victim who was stolen from whatever proof he has that it's his whatever proof that is will be effective in him taking it back from the guy who stole from him directly, maybe he won't be, ha- that, that, that proof will not work when he tries to take away from Yehuda. So let's say there were witnesses saw uh, uh, Ruvain grab the talus off of Shimon. Those are his witnesses. Those witnesses aren't going to help him try to get the property from Yehuda. They will have him help him get the property back from the guy who, who, the, who the witnesses saw steal it from him. That's why he wants it to remain in Ruvain's possession. Similarly, if Ruvain the robber sells the field that he stole, or he bequeaths it, he passes away and he, and, and he sells it to Levi, or he, he passes away and Levi, who is his you know, I don't know, great nephew, inherits it. Again, this guy Yehuda comes along and he says, Levi, this is not your field, this is my field. My great-grandfather owned it and he has a proof and therefore it's mine. Shimon cannot testify that does not belong to Yehuda, whatever way he would testify. Maybe it's easy if you take it from Levi. Again, Levi got it from moving the robber or inherited it from moving the robber. So therefore it could be easier for Shimon to take it away from Levi back to himself, but that might not be as easy from Yehuda and therefore he's a party of interest. He cannot testify in this case. So many, so many names. Ruven, right. right. Yeah. It seems we do that because however many scenarios we bring into the case, you always have names and yeah. it's easy to use. The Gemara does it in a few places. It yeah. uses the Shvatim as a all right, base. If Ruven, the robber, sells the talus. The previous case, are we talking about in Allah Aleph, and Allah Aleph, talking about a case where he was he sold or bequeathed the field. Here he sold the talus to Levi. Okay? So Ruvain the robber sold the talus which he stole from Shimon to Levi. And it comes along Yehuda to say this talus belonged to my great-grandfather, it's mine. If Ruvain has already passed away, in which case, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about a case where he has no property. So in which case Shimon has basically no hope of recompensation. 
So Shimon made a Shinish Yehuda. In that case, Shimon can testify that it's not Yehuda's because the witnesses Yehuda has that belong to his ancestors are not valid witnesses, for example. This talus will never return to Shimon forever. Why? The buyer or the inheritor, let's say the buyer, sorry, not the inheritor, excuse me, the buyer acquired the talus by virtue of two things. When you steal something, when an when, when item makes a transfer between two people, and the person who owned it originally despaired of any hope of getting it back to him, the person who has the item acquires it. In this case, the robber, by virtue of exercising his brute brutality, basically Shimon has lost any hope of really getting it back from him directly. He only can hope for recompensation. Um, uh, and certainly now that he had changed possession, he, he, he has less of a chance. But besides the fact that, it was, that there was a yish, a, a loss of hope of getting, recompens- uh, getting it back, he also, there was a change of domain from the robber to somebody else. Those two combined... To, correct. Those two combined to mean that Yehuda is now the legitimate owner of the talus. The thing is that you might think that uh, Ru, uh, Shimon, who, was, who had the talus stolen from him, at least wants Ru, to hope to Ruvain to pay him back. So we say, no, Ruvain the Gazan passed away. He has nobody to, from whom he can expect any compensation. Therefore, he essentially, we're talking about a case where the Ghanav did not have any property, neither movable nor, nor, nor landed property. And therefore, there's nothing that, uh, that would benefit Shimon, whether this talus stays in the hands of Levi who bought it from the thief or Yehuda who's fighting to take it away from Levi who bought it from the thief. Either way, Shimon cannot hope to get the talus back, nor can he hope to get to be compensated. If Reuven's alive, however, Shimon cannot testify regarding the talus to keep it in the hands of Levi who bought it from the Yehuda, Because then he, he, it, it, Shimon wants it to stay in the, in the hands of Levi. It should not go to Yehuda. Even though Yehuda will keep the talus because it's changed hands and he despaired getting it back, at least by proving that it belongs to Levi, the person who he, uh, the person who bought it from the thief, he can prove that Levi bought it from the guy who stole from him, and then force, um, excuse me, force uh, uh, force Levi or Ruvain, depending on who it may be, to compensate him for the loss, depending on the cons of the shook. Either the thief will have to pay him back directly, or Levi will have to pay him back for the lost talus and then go to the person, the seller, the thief and sue him for recompensation. But either way, if Reuven is still alive, the thief is still alive, Shimon does have an interest in keeping it in Levi's possession. That's his best hope for recompensation. Similarly, if Reuven the thief passed away, Shimon cannot testify to keep it in the hands of the heirs of the thief. He hopes that the talus stays in the hands of the heir, he'll get it back. Because even though he despaired getting it back, but remember, uh, they don't actually acquire it when it changes possession through inheritance. The concept of the Yish and Shin Rishush, the concept that, that, that despairing getting it returned to you, plus changing of hands, means that the new owner actually require, acquires it is only if it's given as a gift or sold, not an inheritance. And therefore, he still has a hope to get it back, and therefore, he's a party of interest. Okay, Gimel. Ruvain sells a field to Shimon. He sells it to him for, he says, like, you're a great deal, right? You know, uh, 20% of the original price. But he says, I'm making a stipulation. 
if the field is taken away from you by my creditors, by the bank, I am not, I'm not reimbursing you, and the, the purchaser accepts the condition. Shh. Comes along Yehuda, who... So over here, remember, Ruvain over here is, is, is legitimate, not a thief anymore, right? Ruvain is a legitimate sale, seller. Shimon is a legitimate buyer. And Shimon bought a very risky property for a very low price, probably. It comes along Yehuda, and he says to Shimon, this field you bought, I'm taking it from you, I'm seizing it from you, because the guy who sold it to you owed me money. Ruvain cannot testify and try to keep the field in the possession of the buyer. Now you might ask the obvious question, what does he care? Either way, he's washed his hands, he's made a condition, he doesn't have to reimburse. Despite the fact that he has no responsibility to reimburse, he wants the field that he sold to Shimon to stay by Shimon. So that, if the, any of the seller's creditors come along and they want to take the field, they should be able to do so. Right? So, uh, uh, in this case, let's say Yehuda's trying to take it because Reuven owed him money, or for a different reason. But in any event, if he keeps it by Shimon and Yehuda is, you know, Yehuda is uh, 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 disproven, at least this field is available in the property of Shimon for a different creditor of Reuven to come along and take it. So that's in, Reuven, in Reuven's interest. And therefore, Reuven cannot testify. He doesn't want to be somebody who's not going to repay his debts, and therefore he wants the field to stay by the guy who bought it from him so that if a different creditor comes along, he'll be able to get repaid. If Reuven sold a cow or a talus, two different, different movable items, to Shimon, comes along Yehuda and he wants to take it away from Shimon, claiming it's his. Let's say he says, Mr. Shimon, the guy who sold it to Reuven, he stole it from me, it's mine, I'm taking it from you. Reuven can testify to keep it in Shimon's possession, the guy who bought it from him. Why? Because even if he keeps it in Shimon's possessions, Reuven, um, uh, the seller's creditors, cannot take it from Shimon, the purchaser, as repayment because... For reasons we'll see in a minute. So, 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 because essentially we're talking about a case where uh, the, the only the movable pro- only the only the landed property as was the, the halacha time of the Gemara only that was on lien. Oh, sorry, even today, remember the creditors who come along to, to tell to, to get paid back, and the guy is declared bankruptcy. They can go to people who he sold land to and take the land as repayment. They can't go to people that he sold movable property to for repayment because it's not public knowledge. It's not the fault of the purchaser that he bought the property from the guy. He has no idea he has debts. Land, everyone knows the guy has debts because that's something which is done publicly. So when you buy a property, it's your responsibility to know if it's on lien, as it says, as the expression goes, as it's, uh, right? But land and property, not. So therefore, therefore, um, when in, over here, when Ruvain, whether or not Shimon, the buyer, keeps the, you know, the cow or the, or the, or the talus, it will not impact Shimon and Shimon's creditors. Therefore, therefore, um, Reuven could testify that it belongs to Shimon because even if Shimon, even if Shimon does keep it, then regardless, Shimon's, uh, excuse me, Reuven's creditors cannot take it away from Shimon. And therefore, whether or not he keeps it doesn't impact Shimon one or the other. He could testify. He's not considered part of interest. Even in the event, even in the event that 
that Ruvain, the purchaser, told his creditors, if I don't pay you back money, this Rolex watch will be the thing you take from me as repayment, still he has no party of interest because once he sells the Rolex watch, that, uh, that obligation is removed. Um, right? It's only if he still has it that, that, he, that the bank could take it, but not when he sold it. Now, now, one second. You might ask, one second. Why is he allowed to testify over here? Sure, he either way the bank can't take it from the purchaser, and the purchaser is not going to sue him because because uh, because uh, the bank can't take it. But if you you might ask, um, um, you might ask that uh, that that. One second. Yeah. Um, Here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem. If Yehuda takes the cow away from, Shim, from Shimon, so sure, you, it's not going to impact Ruvain regarding other creditors in the future, whether Yehuda takes it or not. But doesn't, Shim, doesn't, doesn't Ruvain want Shimon to keep a talus? Because if Yehuda takes it away from Shimon the buyer, Shimon's going to sue him for reimbursement. So Ram says, we must be talking about a case where Shimon does not have the rights to request reimbursement. Why would that be? This is talking about a case where Shimon acknowledges that Ruvain, the seller, is a legitimate owner, not a thief, and he sold legitimately. And this guy Yehuda is making up stories. He says to Shim, Shimon and Yehuda, Shimon and Reuven, excuse me, both agree to each other. This guy Yehuda is, is, is making, up, making up stories. So he admits that Reuven's done nothing wrong. If Shimon says, I don't know who's telling the truth, I bought it from you. Maybe you're telling the truth, maybe Yehuda's telling the truth. And in that case, Ruvain, the seller, cannot testify against Yehuda to keep it in Shimon's possession, despite the fact that the creditors are not going to be able to take it one way or the other. Because if Shimon loses it to Yehuda, who's suing him, Shimon's going to go back to Ruvain and say, excuse me, I want a refund. But Yehuda tell him, you sold me this thing, that's not yours, it's Yehuda's. Witnesses have come along and said that, that it belongs to Yehuda. Therefore, in that case, Reuven would not be able to testify because he doesn't, he doesn't want to give reimbursement. It's only when Shimon says to Reuven, listen, I feel you. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on over here. This guy is making up stories. You know, you, I, know, I know you're an honest guy. So even if Shimon gets the item taken away from him, he can't go, around, go, go back and demand the reimbursement from Reuven. He's, he's admitted to Reuven that Reuven's done nothing wrong. They're both victims of the same, the same con artist. And that's why Reuven could, be, could, 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 Reuven could testify. There's one more problem though. Why could Ruvain testify? Even so, wouldn't, wouldn't, don't we have to consider the possibility that maybe once upon a time, this guy, um, Ruvain, the seller, once upon a time owned land. And when he owned land, he established the land as, a, uh, as something from which creditors would, go, would take, take, um, uh, take from him in the event that he couldn't pay back, pay back his loans. And there's a concept of making a, a shibud agav karka, basically. When you say this piece of property is going to be the thing the bank is going to take, if I can't pay back, you put it on the, you know, on the mortgage, whatever, and you add to the clause movable property, which according to the Rambam has to be sitting on that piece of property at the time, I believe, that pro- movable property now is part of that lien. So isn't moving a party of interest to keep the land by the... By the person who he sold it to, so that the bank will come take the take and, and, uh, and take that cow which was sitting in the field at the time, and was included in this lien and as reimbursement for the same reason. So therefore, we must say the case is where Ruvain was somebody we know who never owned landed property. He was born in an apartment. He's renting his whole life. He never owned land, and then it would make sense that he that he 
that he uh, is he able to do this? As the Ram clarifies, when is this all true? That even considering all these things, besides the fact that it's not the landed property is movable property. And Shimon agrees to Ruvain that Ruvain has done nothing wrong. It also have to add to the fact that Ruvain never owned property in his life. When can we say this is true that Ruvain can testify against Yehuda to keep the property in the hands of Shimon the buyer? When he has witnesses who come, they testify. They know for a fact Ruvain never owned land. The only unmovable property. If witnesses never came as such, even he cannot even testify in movable property like a cow or a garment. Why can he not testify? Maybe once upon a time when he owned land years ago, he made he 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 he, um, he made a kinyan, a lien, a commitment. With the piece of property you own, even if it was a small piece of property, let's say an Amma Square, let's say, a very small piece of property. And he said that I, I'm making the lien that these items, because of your own star, the Ekne, that he wrote, the Kenyan, the Ekne, I'm acquiring to you a lien uh, on, on behalf of this piece of property, that these movable items are committed to you to be paid back. And he committed this property, these movable items to the creditor with that piece of property, even though now he owns no property, the fact that now he owns no property, we don't know, we don't care. But if he owned the property years ago, he could have done it years ago and then sold the property. In which event, this movable item, the talus and the cow, has the same characteristics as a piece of property, as far as reimbursement, as far as the, uh, the bank taking it. If we cannot testify to keep in the hands of Shimon the buyer, because he's a party of interest, he wants Shimon to keep it, if his creditor comes, you get paid back and he has no money, he could say to his creditor, I'm sorry, I have no money, but hey, listen, I sold this cow that, that's a that's, that's, uh, to you, to this guy, Shimon, go, get, go, go take it. So you see how you have to know the halacha so thoroughly over here for a judge to know what may be possibly the party of interest of a witness. So the Alamus clarifies, all these concepts depend on, on, on the Dayan's knowledge of, of Sefer Mishpatim. Uh, and his understanding, she often ikard mishpatim has to know the basic, the principles of halacha, and to know what one thing could cause another thing, the amic literacy, and be you know be, be deep in his investigation. If there's any party of interest that this witness may have uh, any bias, even if some you know far away, he cannot testify. Just he cannot testify in this matter. Because perhaps he's a party of interest. He can't be a judge on the case. The same reason, because he's a party of interest. A judge has to be impartial. All other types of invalidations. Anytime we see someone is disqualified to testify, and on a certain case, he's also disqualified to be a judge. Therefore, just you can't have witnesses be related to each other, you can't have relatives on the same Sanhedrin. Whether it is the Sanhedrin, the main Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, or any, any Sanhedrin throughout Israel, without the world, in fact, of 23 judges. However, when it comes to the court case, and remember, in a court case, it says, Al Shiva, Ad Shiva, with a dollar. It's a dollar, okay, so, look here. So, but when it comes to uh, determining if this year should be a leap year or not, remember we start with three judges, they discuss the matter, they add two more, take it five, they discuss it more, and they add seven and they finish off with that. So 
So those those extra four that you add to bring it from three to seven people, the Ram says that's not a problem that could be related because because it's not really fundamental to the case. The first three who start the discussion, they can't be related to each other. But if you add relatives after that, that's not a problem. Vav. Anytime somebody is kosher to be a judge in a case, kosher lahayid is also kosher to testify in that case. Just like it goes both ways. However, there are cases where a person can be a witness, he cannot be a judge though. If he cannot be a witness, he for sure cannot be a judge. But if he can be a witness, that doesn't mean for sure he can be a judge though. A person who is known as to be a good friend because we're afraid he's going to, not intentionally, but, you know, biased towards the person. A person who's known as an enemy to one of the litigants, right? That's also not good. He may be biased against him. A convert cannot be a judge if you learned. Of course, the famous question is, what about Shemayi and Aftalian, who were famous converts who were the heads of the Sanhedrin at the time? And there's different answers to that, to that question. They were unique. They were special. Vamashukha, a freed slave, which is essentially a convert. The Chayin a person who's exceedingly old. Then we learned that a person on the Sanhedrin should have be more um, biased towards being merciful rather than cruel. A person who's exceedingly old is considered a grumpy old man. They don't want him on the Sanhedrin. Yeah? Vasaris, a person who is sterile, right? So he also has considered a trait of cruelty. Old is logically not by Right, so the good question. Rechem and Zaka was 120 years old. He was disqualified. Well, here it's a case-by-case basis. But mom, is there a person who is a disqualified? Right, was also very old. Yeah. 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 So, what is the definition of old? Right. That doesn't. There's no. There's no age over here. And I guess it depends on you know. The mom is there a person who's a disqualified person, right? From a, from a forbidden relationship. Uh, not just forbidden, but a, but a, but a chiv chorus. A person is blind in one eye, even though a person is blind in one eye could be a witness, but he can't be a judge. They could be a witness. They cannot judge capital cases. As we said, so. Um, they cannot judge capital cases. The truth is, they can't judge any cases really. Now, says didn't fuss just because. Um, I forgot this. This can be judges. Period. Well, the Rambam says the einim kshem lodim didn't fuss They can't judge capital cases. And the English doesn't say that. You're right. I don't know why. Um, I think there's some of these that they can judge, but they can't judge capital cases. I don't remember exactly which ones. Okay, there's um, um, yeah. Uh, I forgot this. Okay, all right, whatever it is. But I think some of these the, the, the list we just listed over here: a friend, an enemy, a convert, a sweet slave, or a person who's old, a, a sterile mamzer, or a person blind one eye. Some of those are actually, I think, kosher for the Sanhedrin. They're just not kosher for capital cases. I forgot which one is what. All right.